this account we're looking at dealing with King Nebuchadnezzar uh, as he is proclaiming the goodness of the Lord uh, is recorded by the prophet Daniel in this fourth chapter. And I dare to say that this king, Nebuchadnezzar, who does not know the Lord, comes and knows the Lord and he shouts when the battle is over. Uh, How is it that many times those who are far away from the Lord have a bigger shout than those who are near? Mm, 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 mm. I'll just leave that alone. I'm going to move on. I'm going to read verses 10 to 17 of Daniel, the fourth uh, chapter from the New Living translation if you have it say i got it if you're not there please say hold on amen well let's begin while i was lying in my bed this is what i dreamed i saw a large tree in the middle of the earth the tree grew very tall and strong reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see it had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, cut down the tree and lop off its branches, shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit, chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messenger. It is commanded by the Holy One so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. If I may, I want to lift up one more time, looking at verse 16. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. If you can help me announce this to your neighbor, tell them, before I lose my mind. If you can look to your other neighbor and wake them up if they have happened to fall asleep and tell them, before I lose my mind. You might be thinking, what's going on here? This, but this dream tells how this man will have a mind of a wild animal. And for some things that we need to realize, before we get caught up trying to live our lives, we need to make sure we don't lose our mind. One telltale sign to find out if you're going to lose your mind when you are about to say and you get so stressed and so overwhelmed and you look around, you tell somebody, y'all about make me lose my mind up in here. Up in here. That's a telltale sign. You're about to lose your mind. You, you go into your job and you have the mind to say, I'm going to go tell my boss how I truly feel. You're about to lose your mind. Uh, husbands and wives, when you decided that today's the day you're going to tell them how you really feel, you're about to lose your mind. The day you told your mom and your dad what you was going to do, you're about to lose your mind. 
throw this in. Bill Cosby said that his mother always said that she was sick and tired. So one day he thought he helped her out. She said, I am sick. He said, and tired. He said, I woke up a week later. <laughs> realized I should never say that again. And that's a situation that we need to realize that in our lives, that once we think we know how things should be, and we're going to tell somebody else how things should be, we are about to lose our mind. I want to look dealing with idols. Tell your neighbor idols. Deuteronomy 5, chapter 7, verse says, you shall have no other gods before me. One thing that we are easy to say that I don't have no God before God. Look, I have no graven images. I don't, I don't have a Buddha that I put in my house. I don't have uh, any kind of instrument that I put and that I bow down before. And you may be correct, but the problem is that there's sometimes eternal idols. These internal idols is basically your own ego, who you are, and you bow down to yourself. You praise yourself. You tell yourself how good you are. Some of us take it to the highest level that we think we are our own gods. We don't say this verbally. We just simply say simpler things like this. This is, look at everything that I've acquired. We simply say, look how good I am at my job. We simply say, look at where I live. I've done good for myself. That doesn't sound very bad, does it? That doesn't sound idolatrous. But the problem is you gave credit to yourself and not to the one who brought you there. And so we don't get caught up with that because there's no graven image there. But that's the most trickiest idol of all is the one you don't see. Because you don't often look at yourself with a discerning eye. It's easy to judge somebody else. You can always tell somebody when their shirt got a spot on it. You can always tell somebody when they make a mess. But when it's you, it's hard to spot such a thing because you're not looking at yourself. You always think you look clean, but something you got something right. Oh, thank you. I, I did not know that. That's why I told you. We are living in a time that we are so consumed with ourselves that there's nothing wrong with us, but there must be something wrong with you. We see here that the idol of success is so dangerous. Another eternal idol that when you are successful, you start thinking that you are successful and that you define success and you bring success. And everything you got the Midas touch, right? Everything you touch is gold. I, I can't do no wrong. I'm just a successful person. I, I, everywhere I go, I'm successful. But the problem is that God can humble you quicker than you rose. We see in our text that Nebuchadnezzar is writing a letter, out an encyclical letter, a circular letter to proclaim how great God is. And he came to understand how great God is from his great fall. And his great fall happened through him understanding a dream that God gave to him. Can I give you a historical context, please? Looking at Daniel verses 1 through 3, we see how King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem and brought in the Jerusalem's captive there. And, and further on, we could find out how King Nebuchadnezzar also captured and, dis and defeated the Egyptians and how his reign was great, his splendor was great. And we also find that he had once had a dream and nobody could interpret this dream. He was going to kill every one of the seers. But, 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 but a man named Daniel said, wait a minute. 
that what the king about to do. He about to kill us. Hold up, hold up, king. Let me let me find out. He prayed. He fasted. He revealed, and the king understood that you serve the Most High God. His spirit is in you. You can interpret this dream. And so, sometime later on, sometime in the splinter, sometimes high up, Daniel comes to the king and lets him know that that after the king summons him, say, I had this dream. This dream had a tree that stretched high into the heavens. Its roots goes down into the earth. This is something new to us, but nothing new to them. In the Near Eastern times, you might see it. You might see some pictures that show trees that high up and had a whole bunch of people paying homage and animals paying homage to the branches, showing how great this tree is. And the tree has a tie-in factor that the tree is rooted in the earth and it stretches into the heaven, showing how this tree is the source and how it provides not only for the heavens, the birds, but for the ground, the beasts. It shows how the tree is significant in source and in power. We use these terminology, right? Someone is sturdy as an oak. We use this terminology on a great. We have a great family tree. We're familiar with using tree for symbolic, for, for symbolism and understanding. But during that time, King Nebuchadnezzar understood that that tree rec, was, was representing him, but he became fearful and he shook because what happened to the tree was cut down. Oh, he said, wait a minute. What was going on? A voice, a messenger comes, says, cut down this tree. Strip off its branches, remove its floors, remove its fruit so that the birds have no place to perch. There goes the branches. The animals have no fruit. Take away the fruit. There's no more shade, so I hang around. But I will remain the stump. I will put shackles on the stump so that in a moment and a time that you it can be restored upon you. But you will have a mind of a wild beast. In other words, you're about to lose your mind. Until you come back to your senses. How does he come back to his senses? To realize that the Lord God himself is supreme and he is sovereign all by himself. And he is able to humble the proud. Can I throw this into you for real quick? If you haven't caught on yet, you lose your mind when you don't know that God is sovereign. Just like a parent tells a child, you must be out your mind because you don't realize that I'm sovereign over you, young boy, young girl. This is my house. These are my rules. You eat when I say you eat. You sleep when I say you sleep. You go to your room. I tell you go to your room. You do what I say. And boy, you raise your mouth one more time. You better. That's a mother looking at a child. So you must be out of your mind. That's how God is when he looks at us and say, you must be out of your mind. Thinking that you're in control. Thinking that this is all because your development, because of your intelligence. It's not all about you. You think it is? Well, let me cut you down to size. Nebuchadnezzar's dream grabbed him. Uh, but if you look at verse 15, there's a word in there that says yet, or some translation says, but the stump. It means that God did not fully cut him off. You see, when we allow idols overrun us, those idols do not care about your redemption. These idols do not care if you get restored. But God, who is supreme, who loves you more than anything else, gives you opportunities for restoration. You see, these other idols, if you know anything about Greek mythology, they don't ever care about the people. The people reject them, they reject them. 
They don't care if they come back. They say you're forever cut off. We don't care about the trifling of man. Another thing, too, about these Greek mythology gods, that they say there are immortal houses that they fear of dying. So they don't travel with man because they're scared they'll lose their deity. But our God is supreme. He knows where he stands, but he wants to ensure, do you know where you stand? And so the problem is that, that, that God's grace is sufficient, but yet will we submit to his grace? Look what happens here. He realizes the stump that Daniel tells him. Daniel tells him. Daniel tells him that, King, if you permit me to speak, if you accept my counsel, repent right now. Mm, repent right now of your wicked ways. Stop oppressing the poor. And God might. Show you some mercy. You see, but look, look here, look here, look here. God told him that his, his, what his punishment would be. His punishment would be, be removed from the kingdom, and he gave him the time period for the punishment. Seven periods, or in other words, seven years, my Lord. See, seven years of punishment is a long time, but how about 30 years of you just not disobeying God? 30 years of you just doing what you want to do? 30 years of you just telling God, I don't care about you, but yet he will punish you only for seven years and restore you. Come on, somebody. Tell somebody that's grace. You see, God will put up with your mess for a long time, but he realized that you could only handle punishment for a little while. Isn't that grace? So we see here that, that God is awareing us that, that we need to be careful of the idols within us. And when you have, and you're dealing with idols issues, here's some things to give you some warnings of how you're about to lose your mind when somebody comes and tells you about yourself. Daniel came and told the king about himself. Look here, king, you need to stop sinning. You need to stop acting up and start being nice to people. Now, that took some gall for Daniel, but Daniel knew he had to speak boldly and tell him what the Lord. And look, look, look how much Daniel loves the king. He was shook when he heard the dream. And Daniel knew what's going on. And he said, king, 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 oof. And, Dan, and the king is telling him, oh, oh, don't worry about it, Daniel. Tell me what Buster say. But king, I'd be happy, to t- happy if it was for you, one of your enemies. But this is towards you. Oh, king, please, I plead to you, please repent. Turn from your wickedness so you don't suffer this calamity. How, how often have you prayed for somebody else? Mm. That they will repent and turn over to the Lord so they will not suffer punishment. But yet another testament too, that even for your enemy, the Bible tells us how we should pray for our enemies. Love our enemies. Bless and curse. Now, Daniel was concerned about his restoration. There might be somebody in your life that daily comes and tells you about yourself, but you just don't listen. I'm telling you, if you're not listening to the heedings to the warners, you might get cut down. You see here, Daniel tells the king what's happened. Then we see 12 months later, <laughs> a year later, the king is walking on top of his palace, looking over his porch, probably looking at the beautiful hanging gardens. The hanging gardens was, was known as one of the um, uh, uh, modern uh, 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 marvels of that time. He made these gardens for his, his, his darling queen, the wife, to make her appreciative of where they were because they were nowhere near the luscious gardens and, and where they came from. But he made that for her, hanging down, and, and just probably looking over and said, look how good I am. And my Bible tells me while he was saying that, a voice came. Let me make this clear. While he was saying that, a voice clear. 
this means this, that my mama knew me. While I was saying, before I finished what I say, she smacked me and said, I know what she's about to say. You wrong, boy. God said, I ain't going to wait for you to say and make me look bad. I'm just going to cut you down right here. Y'all, y'all didn't catch that, did you? Look at, look. It says, while he was saying, a voice came down. He said, I told you judgment was coming. Here it is. Here to let you know that you don't always see judgment coming. But judgment is coming. Tell your neighbor, judgment is coming. The thing is this, that, that you have opportunity to prepare yourself for the judgment. Look, look, 12 months pass. 12 months opportunity for him to repent, to restore, to start doing righteous. But yet he went back to his old self. He heard the warning, he heeded, and he lost his mind. When we lose our minds, getting, thinking that it's all about me, we forget about God. God tells us that we should have no other gods before him, but we get caught up thinking that it's all about us. You need to know God is supreme before you lose your mind because he will keep, because the Bible tells me they who knows the Lord will keep his mind in perfect peace. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Delight thy ways unto the Lord in all your ways, and he will direct your path. But when you keep your mind on yourself, I'm sorry, I don't know where you're going. But if you keep your mind on the Lord, I know where you're going to go. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I will give you life and give you life more abundantly. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He lead me down the path. Do you catch it? That when you know that Lord is supreme, you can know where you are going. But if you don't know the Lord is supreme and you think you are supreme and you're following your path, I can't tell you where you're going. But you will end up in destination of destruction. Nebuchadnezzar's destination had him going crazy, living in the field, seven years of his hair growing out, seven years his fingernails growing out like a bird's claws, seven years of him grazing acting like an ox called boanthropy. Living like an oxen, living like a bovile, living like a wild animal. This man lost his mind. Insanity was what we might call it. Also, insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Insanity is when you don't know God is sovereign. <laughs> you lose your minds when you don't know who God is. This man lost his mind. But you see... It opened up with a joyful account because you, too, can have a redemption. You, too, can have a spout in your life, a bout in your life, a spot in your time that when you lose your mind, that you act like the prodigal sons. I said sons. Yeah, there's two sons that are prodigal. You act like you lost your mind, but yet God is still open for you to come back to him. God is still open to restore you to where he wants you to be. Little note to know about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was God's servant, and by being God's servant, God had grace upon him and using him to chastise Israel. But you see, God will chastise the just and the unjust alike. God also chastised the king for losing his mind. But look, the Bible tells us that the king was restored to greater splendor. To greater splendor. I want you to understand that you need to realize 
You can have a great fall, but you can have a better rising. It's time right now in your life to start looking at the idols you have in your lives and start tearing them down. It's time to make a change now. Your idols, I said you don't have graven images, but your idols have payday. You can't wait till payday. You live for payday. Your idol might be your favorite TV show. You block your calendars off that nobody interrupts you during your favorite TV show. It might be a favorite sporting event. It might be a time with somebody else. But God is looking at you the same. When is your favorite time with me? When do you look forward to spending quality time with me? When do you look forward of just embasking in my glory and in my grace? When do you look forward? See, see, we call on him when things get rough. But while our things are good is why he's really calling your name. Because you see here, the king was taking it easy. He said in his ease he had a dream. You see, and when it's easy in life, that's when we forget about God. Only when things get rough. Lord, save me, I am in need. But he's able to redeem you and save you and, pre and prevent you from falling. But if you keep your mind stayed on him, looking at this heed to godly advice, Daniel gave him godly advice. Somebody in your life has probably given you godly advice. You probably read in this world godly advice, but you have got caught up on what you want to do. Can I just drop this in for free for you that no matter what is in man's writing, it's man's writing. Man will give you your diagnosis, your prognosis. They'll give you uh, uh, what you can be approved for for uh, 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 a, a loan. They will give you in writing your, your terms and agreement and your warranty. But man is not bound to keep it. The final loophole in that warranty is your fault. They give you a misdiagnosis. Well, at the time, we had it right. They always got a reason. Always got a reason for how they are right. But I want you to understand that God's word is always right. You never need to go back and say, did I misread it? No, it is always correct. And since it is always correct, God will forever be true. And so what I'm trying to tell you, that when man comes with something that's contrary to what the Lord calls you to do, you better stick with the Lord. Because the Lord won't have you acting a fool, looking crazy. But the world will make you lose your mind up in here, up in here. But God will keep you in perfect peace up in here, up in here. The world will have you acting a fool up in here, up in here. But God will surround you with a hedge of protection up in here. Up in here. You see, the world will make sure you fall and never get back up. But the Lord will let you know that we fall down, but we get up. You see, the stump had bronze and gold around it to make sure that nobody else could cut it down but the Lord. Can I drop something down prayer for you? Nobody can knock it down but the Lord. And guess what? If God knocks it down, he can pick you right back up. And you see, Nebuchadnezzar was knocked down. And while he was knocked down, he was out of his mind. But the Bible recalls he came back to his senses. And when he came back to his senses, he cried out and said, The Lord, 
most high is sovereign all by himself. Uh, he goes on to say all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as none, but he does according to his will in the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, whom have you done? At that time, the reason returned to him. And he says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven of all his works are true and his ways are just and he is able he is able to humble those who walk in pride I just want to spend a little bit time on he's able before I take my seat can I talk about how he is able well uh, they thought uh, he wasn't able to rise again from the grave uh, how do we know that uh, he was hanging up uh, on the cross uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees sat there and looked at him and said uh, you said uh, you will resurrect yourself uh, you said you will rebuild the temple if you are the Messiah then once you come on down from the cross they thought uh, he wasn't able. Uh, that rumor was spreading. Uh, the rumor even shook uh, the disciples uh, because uh, they buried him in a rich man's tomb. Uh, and can I drop this in? It wasn't the disciples that buried him, but a Pharisee that came at night uh, who asked Jesus, what must I be to be born again? Nebuchadnezzar request for the body and put on in the tomb. The disciples were hiding in a closed room, scared that they would be next. The rumor spread that he wasn't able to defeat death. Mary and Martha were on the way to the grave thinking that he wasn't able to defeat death. But they got there and noticed a familiar scene. They saw a rock roll back. Lazarus stone was rolled back. They went in and saw an empty tomb. Lazarus walked out and made an empty tomb. They realized that Jesus was not there. But they still got excited for a little while when they heard him go tell Peter and the rest of the disciples that I'm alive. I defeated death. They did not believe when they heard the call. So what did Jesus do? He just showed up in the middle of the room. He didn't knock on the door, nor did he open the door. He just showed up in the middle of the room to show them that he is, uh, can you tell your neighbor that he is uh, able? He was able to defeat death. He was able to rise with all power in his hands. And since he's able to do all that things, uh, that's why all supreme authorities under his feet. So every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. I don't know about you, but my soul just gets excited knowing that I can proclaim that he is most high. I made some idols in my life. And when I brought them before Jesus, I saw how small they were. And I came to my senses and said, he is able, he is able to present me faultless before him in all his glory. He is able to deliver me from the fiery furnace. He is able to do above and beyond what he, I can ask or, or think. He is able. And when you know 
And when you know that, you know that God is able. You don't look at nobody else. You don't call on nobody's name. But you call on the only one that can make things change in your life. He was out of his mind in the middle of the field. But only one name came off his lips. The Lord God Most High is sovereign all by himself. Uh, can I help you out when you're about to lose your mind or even when you have lost your mind? All you got to call out is the name, the Lord. Do you know him? Do you know him? I'm going to leave you alone with this last statement because Jesus, he is the Lord. Jesus, he is the Lord. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't hear me. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you help me now? To all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'll be saved from depression, saved from oppression, saved from sickness, saved from people attacking me, saved from the murderous enemy. I'll be saved because he is my all in all. He is my savior. I don't care what the world will throw at me because the Lord is my God. So before you lose your mind, before you lose your mind, just say, the Lord, you are my all in all. All that I have belongs to you. You are my joy. You are my strength. You are my life. Lord, we thank you that you are a redeemer. You are a restorer. And that your grace is sufficient even unto this day. That's what we can cry out to our God. And our God would gently bring us back <laughs> to where he wants us to be and bless us more than what we ever had. I got one person. Well, I'm going to say that one. I'd just, I just like to hear that. He said, and God will gently restore <laughs> back to where he wants us to be and bless us more than what we ever had. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm going to rewind that one more time. That just got good to me. It said, the Lord will restore us to where he wants us to be and bless us better than we ever been. 